absolute pleasure to be able to introduce our speaker today. Dave is such a man of laughter and of joy. He is a man who runs harder after the heart of Jesus than anyone I know. And as he runs, he's willing to take anybody who wants to follow him. And we are so privileged to be able to have him speak today. Ready? Thank you. I'm going to grab this. Well, people of Earth. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? Look at this. Watch me raise this up without mishap. See there? It's the wrong one. No. It's this one right here. Ah, oh, see? Well, that's all the time we have. I hope you drive home safely. I think it's one down. Yeah, one down. Yeah, Maybe this one. Okay. All right. Goodness gracious. Uh, wow. That's, that may be too high now, but forget about it. You know, I'm not adjusting that anymore. So you doing well? You look good. Enjoying the summertime? Yep, me too. Uh, I just have to say a um, word of thanks to Jesus because yes, yesterday uh, marked the 45th uh, anniversary of when Sandy said I do at an unconditioned, unconditioned, church in Marion, Indiana. <laughs> and uh, we've just been having a blast in life. And I realized uh, with each passing year, the wisdom of God in selecting this young lady right here to be my life companion. So. Uh, I just love, love being her best friend and vice versa. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just in the, in the glow of that right now. Uh, so excited. I, I, I felt like I was, uh, prompted to share something with you before the message. And, uh, don't worry. My goal with the message is to finish before you do. So, uh, I, this will not extend the message any further, but, um, I was thinking about the favor of God. I, I was sitting right here uh, in this front row right there uh, during the presence conference, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me during worship and said, I want you to begin to think more in terms of stewarding my favor. And emphasis on stewarding. And, and I realized that there uh, are places in my heart where I had entertained the thought that somehow I needed to get some more favor in order to get to where God wants me to go. And then uh, when he said stewarding my favor, he was by inference saying, uh, you've got a lot of favor that you're not using. You know, so uh, I just, uh, just want to just bless you and tell you that you are highly favored. And uh, maybe I mentioned this in church. I don't, I don't remember if I did that, but if I did, it... it, it you know, it can be mentioned again. Um, you know, Mary was uh, blessed because uh, she was about to partner with God in this a miracle that happened only once in history, and that's to be impregnated by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and to be carrying the Son of God. It's, and, uh, and it was said to her, blessed are you and highly favored. But I want to say to us that everybody who has Jesus in their heart right now is 
equally, and maybe even more so, highly favored than Mary was. And so you have the presence, very, very presence of Jesus inside of you. That's, that means you've got tons of favor. And uh, I swerved into a thing uh, earlier this week. As I was working out, I like to listen to some podcasts. And this guy said that there is a phenomenon that social scientists have, be, have come to recognize as imposter syndrome. Everybody say imposter syndrome. And, and what is imposter syndrome? Po- imposter syndrome is the feeling that, that your uh, achievements are not legitimate and that you have a fear of being exposed as a fraud. So uh, they did this study of, of uh, students at Harvard Business School, and they found out that three-fourths of the students at Harvard Business School thought that they, w- they got into Harvard because of some mistake by the admissions department. Is that crazy or what? I mean, some of the people who got turned down by Harvard Business School were amazing people. But think of the people who got in. And it's just not on the East Coast. Same thing on the West Coast, just about. They studied the, the, the people, or they surveyed the people that had gone to uh, Stanford Business School, and they found that two-thirds of those students felt like they'd gotten into Stanford by some mistake of the admissions committee. That's, they call that imposter syndrome. And I got to thinking, that is the direct attack of the enemy against people's identity. Because if he can get you to doubt the legitimacy of who you are in the space and place that God has called you to occupy, then he can mute your effectiveness. And he can, he can cause you to pull back and not fully express who you are in Christ. And I felt like I just was supposed to stop and pray for anybody who feels like they're in a place. I recognized imposter syndrome working in my life. Even in the presence conference, Adam, I mean, Marvin got up, Adams, Marvin got up and he introduced me and he always says the most amazing things. He's just one of the most encouraging people, you know, I've ever met. And he says amazing things about everybody, but he just went on and on about me. And there was this part of me that was like, okay, I'm okay with that. And another part of me that was sort of resisting that. And I realized when I heard this podcast, the imposter syndrome had had kind of hold of me. You know, it's like, well, if you really knew me, then, you know, I would be sort of fraudish to you. And, um, And then I realized, no, this is not how God wants us to live. God doesn't want us to live in in the paralysis of analysis and looking inward and looking inward and looking inward and trying to figure out, you know, all that stuff. You know, the the problem with that is that we're always looking at ourselves. So God wants to free us from ourselves in order to be able to do exactly what he has called us to do. So I'm going to ask you to be bold to break the spirit of the imposter syndrome. And if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. If that applies to you, if, if you recognize that even a little bit in your life, I'd like for you to stand up right now. And uh, I'm going to pray for you. And God's going to do something amazing. Yeah. Thank you, God. I just want to say you're too legit. <laughs> too legit to quit. Hey, hey. All right. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Oh, yeah. We pray, Father, for that spirit to be broken that attacks the identity of your children and and tells them that they're less than they truly are, that they're not legitimate, that they don't have 
standing to be able to do what you've called them to do. For some of you, it has to do with believing God for provision for your life. There's a blockage in your uh, ability to believe God for financial provision because somewhere deep down you've been convinced that you're an imposter. And I just, want you to, I just want you to resist that in the name of Jesus as we pray. We release you right now from the imposter syndrome and we say with all seriousness, you are legit to stand where God has placed you and to stand up straight and tall in your identity and be who you are for the glory of God. And everybody who agrees with that says, amen. 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 Let's celebrate that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that's, that's amazing. Okay, I've been asked to um, continue with the series Ecclesia. And so I want to do that. I'm really excited because uh, I'm going to take a different, little different angle on this subject. Uh, and a lot of it is due to the fact that I, was, that I read this book strangely titled Ecclesia, uh, that uh, about a, a little over a year ago, and I decided to start using it in, in the school that Sandy and I direct, uh, uh, Revive School of Transformation, WeRevive.org. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I read this book, and I said, we have got to start using this, so we're using this in first year, because I feel like it provides a template for understanding God's big plan for what he wants to do in the earth. And uh, so I just want to go ahead and, uh, and start here with the title of the message. What is the big idea? Jesus has a big idea about ecclesia. And I feel like um, for some of you, this is going to be um, old hat, maybe a little bit. For, but for a lot of you, I feel like it's going to be like, oh, wow. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, man, this is this is amazing. The ecclesia is even more amazing than I thought it was, and I thought it was great, but God has something really big in store for the planet, and it involves you and me, the ecclesia. All right? You ready for this? All right, so let's read together the scripture. Uh, why don't we read this out loud, okay? Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah. Oh, sorry. For this, why don't you read it out loud? <laughs> And I'll go back to school. What, why don't we start over? Uh, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, or ecclesia, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, if this was the first time you had ever read this, and you realize these are the words of Jesus, you would be saying to yourself, whatever this ecclesia is, whatever this church is, it's a really big deal. Because Jesus said some amazing things. One, that the gates of Hades will not prevail against you. And number two, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what are you, whatever you lose on earth. That's actually a, not a very good translation, that last part. It should read more like, whatever you bind on earth will have been already bound in heaven. 
And whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. In other words, we are in contact with God. We're in contact with the kingdom of heaven. We understand what's going on there. And so what we see loose there, we, we have the authority to loose here, right? It works that way from heaven to earth. As Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. So, so next slide, please. Um, so if the ecclesia is such a big idea, why did Jesus mention it only three times in the Gospels? In this verse we just read, and then in Matthew 18, 17, he mentions, mentions the word ecclesia two times. So there's three mentions in all of the Gospels. And by contrast, he mentions the kingdom of God over 100 times. So are we to do the math there and say, uh, then the, the kingdom is 33 times more important than the ecclesia, au contraire. But why did he not talk about it? In fact, is it, isn't it strange that he didn't, he talked about the ecclesia, but he didn't, he didn't give any commandments concerning the ecclesia, and, and he didn't talk about how to plant an ecclesia anywhere, right? Now, in the New Testament, we have lots of mentions of the church, and in 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul talks about the church being the household of faith and the pillar and foundation of the truth. So the church is super important. So I hope that you don't get from this message that I am minimizing the importance of the church, the ecclesia, so assembled like today. All right. I am not doing that. I'm just I'm I'm just pulling back the camera, I think, I hope. And we're seeing a, bro a greater perspective of what it is that Jesus was talking about when he talked about the ecclesia, the gates of Hades could not overcome. All right. So next next one, please. Thank you. So, in, but in, instead of ecclesia, Jesus could have chosen one of the two premier institutions in Israel to describe his transformational agency. Number one, he could have said the temple, right? Which is the place for the indwell, uh, indwelling presence of God. So he could have said, I am going to build my temple. And I'll tell you what, my temple is going to be an uber temple. It's going to have the presence of God like you've never seen before. And people are going to stream to the temple to find God. And, and to worship God. Could have used that word. Very familiar to the people he was speaking to, right? He could have used the word synagogue. I will build my synagogue. The synagogue was the place that Jewish people went on the Sabbath to read the scriptures and pray. He could have said, I'm going to raise so, up so many franchises of synagogues all around the earth, like Chick-fil-A's that will pepper they will dot the map, at map. It'll be our pleasure to serve you. And, and the people will stream into the synagogues all over the world. He could have used those, those words, and it would have been understandable had he used them because they were so familiar to the Jewish people. But instead, he chose to co-opt the secular term, ecclesia. It was a secular term. It wasn't a word from religious culture. It was from the secular culture around because it started with the Greeks and then it continued on with the Romans. And for hundreds of years, this concept of ecclesia was around. Let's go to the next slide, please. Thanks. And in the Roman Empire and in subjugated Israel, we understand that, that in Rome, uh, they had their, their rules and then they had their protectorates or they had their uh, nation states that they dominated and Israel was one of those nation states that was subjugated under the rule of Rome, right? So in Roman Empire, the ecclesia was known as a governmental institution. Actually, so, so Jesus is choosing an institution 
that the Jewish people don't have a very high opinion of at all, right? Because they're under the thumb of Rome through the Roman ecclesia. And so Jesus uh, took the secular concept, oh, excuse me, the secular ecclesia was so well known to people in Jesus' day, there was no need for him to expand on it. So that's why you don't see him in the Gospels talking about the ecclesia, the ecclesia, the ecclesia, the ecclesia, because they knew what he was talking about. It was a governmental institution, but with a twist. Why did he talk about the kingdom of God so much more than he talked about the ecclesia? Here's it. Here's what it is. is he's telling you guys, I'm going to raise up my ecclesia. You know, I see your ecclesia, Rome, and I'll raise you an ecclesia. And it's my own ecclesia. And, and, but it's going to be different than yours because it's going to be infused with the DNA of the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to put the kingdom, and I'm going to talk to you until I'm blue in the face about the kingdom of God, because I want you to know what it is and how it operates and how it functions and what it's going to be like, because that's going to be the engine inside the ecclesia to drive this people movement around the earth. So unlike the temple and the synagogue, the ecclesia, well, I keep, yes, the ecclesia was not dependent on a building. So you would have said, I'm going to, I'm going to build my temple. Then it would be a, a building, a static place where people would have to come to. If he had said synagogue, same thing, because it would be a, 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 an institution that requires a building to function. Here's the cool thing, you guys. The ecclesia does not require a building to function. Yay. It's not static. It's mobile. It's a mobile ark. You are God's mobile home as the ecclesia, you're hauling God around all over the earth. And so you're making a difference as his ecclesia. And you're able to go anywhere at any time. And in this way, he did not limit the ecclesia to something that only Israel could manifest because only Israel had a temple, right? But every nation of the earth has people, right? And so when God, God in, causes you to be inhabited by the kingdom of God, then you are able to express the ecclesia no matter what nation you live in, no matter where you go, no matter where you are. Let's go on. So what is the big idea? And this I take from, from the book Ecclesia by Ed Silvoso. The ecclesia was a buildingless, mobile people movement designed to operate 24-7 in the marketplace for the purpose of having an impact on everybody and everything. Whoa, that's so good, isn't it? So it's so much different than come ye all, all ye into the church. Although we want people to come to our expression of church as it exists. I love this church and I love the expression and I love the life that comes from this and the many ministries and the many hearts that are changed. And it, it's, it's amazing. But we are not limited to that. And, neither, and I believe we're under a mandate from God to take the ecclesia into the marketplace. So you have this marriage of the pulpit ministry and the marketplace ministry. When they work together, it's something awesome to behold. So here we go. And not only that, Jesus' big idea, and I don't have it up here, entails not just the discipling of individuals, but the discipling of nations. If you read the scripture, he said, make disciples of all nations. And the book of Revelation shows nations being presented before God 
as being prepared for him, right? And so this is a bigger, it's, it's, this is a big, big deal. And you say, well, that's impossible. How can you disciple a nation? It, it's possible if Jesus said it, right? And, and it really is happening in some places in the earth where the kingdom of God is being welcomed in because, because human government, the human ecclesia, doesn't have solutions for the kinds of problems we're facing in our world today. And so people are open for what works. And what really works is the kingdom of God that has been injected into the ecclesia. And people are expressing it all over the, all over the planet. All right, what do I have on this next slide? I'm, I'm curious. Oh, what about... What about the, the gates of Hades? I'm going to come over here because I, I don't want you to feel ignored. <laughs> what about the gates of Hades? He, he, Jesus, in talking about this big idea about the, the, I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades will not, I did not know, I did not know until I read this book, that, that the city of uh, Caesarea Philippi was a town founded by the Romans right there in the region where Jesus ministered. And it was a major center of occult worship, and it had three demonic centers, the temple of Caesar, the temple of the god Pan, which is a temple dedicated to bread. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and, that's the Espanol, I know. And then, and then the thirdly, it had the gates of Hades, in which was done literal animal and human sacrifice. So what is Jesus saying? He is saying, I'm going to build my ecclesia, yo, <laughs> and I am, it's going to be so powerful that not even the gates of Hades is going to be able to prevail against it. So everybody he was talking to, they, they were thinking about that literal place where literally the demonic had full run of the place. And so he's saying, any place where the demonic is is active and it has a corresponding physical um, manifestation on the earth. I am here to dismantle all of that. So, so we don't want to. If I don't know if etherealize is a, is a word, but I'm going to make it a word. We don't want to etherealize the thing about demonic powers because they do have a manifestation in the real physical realm in our institutions. In, our, in education, in government, in, in uh, mass media, in, in all the, of these um, uh, seven mountains. Some people are familiar with that, that terminology, the seven mountains. And so those things are molded, mind molders in the demonic realm, shape and control a lot of our institutions or have a, a tremendous uh, role in those institutions. So Jesus is saying... You know what? <laughs> Not only is my ecclesia going to be far more than any ecclesia you've known about for these hundreds of years in Greece and in Rome, but my ecclesia is going to be so powerful, there is not going to be one demonic force that can withstand it. You know, it's like, man, we are on the winning team, guys. It's like, I just don't, I, I get so. I, I get riled up when I find believers who are afraid of the enemy, or they, you know. So, and I, I'm not mad at you at all. I, I, I'm not not at all. I, my heart is. I just want everybody to know how unnecessary it is to live in a 
place of intimidation by the enemy. I mean, some of you are having some bad dreams, real demonic dreams, and they've put injected fear into your life, but God has, is coming to set you free from that so that you can live in full victory over those, those dreams and say, man, that's not me. You can't have me. <laughs> I've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. The demons are afraid of you. I'm telling you, they're afraid of you. Just poke your neighbor and say, they're afraid of you. <laughs> All right. Where am I? Time-wise. Okay. So um, what, what do we have on the next slide? I'm curious about that, too. <laughs> so here's, this is my final point. Everybody say, yay, here's the final point. <laughs> the only thing standing between you and lunch is me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm aware of this. All right. This is just one manifestation or one, one outcropping of an understanding of the true nature of the ecclesia in the earth, this mobile people movement infiltrating every, every community, every place, every job, is, is that you get to the place where you, you realize my labor is worship, therefore my job is my ministry. So Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. So if you look at your, your labor as worship and your job as your ministry, it changes the math. And say, what, what if you don't enjoy your job? I'm not, I don't enjoy my job, but can you enjoy your Jesus in your job? That's the key right there. That's the key. It's being able to enjoy Jesus in whatever circumstances I'm in. And even if I'm in a bad job and I got a bad boss or I'm in a comp an unscrupulous comp uh, company or whatever the, the case may be, that doesn't change what goes on in the inside of me. I'm worshiping Jesus 24-7 and I'm using my work and the way I approach it in such a way that it's an offering to Jesus. I first got, got, got uh, whacked by this truth Back when I was working in Fisher's High School as a, oh, a permanent sub, when they didn't have anything for me to do or a classroom, they would just give me tasks, like just go to the attendance office and run off these things or count these things or bind, you know, whatever. And uh, I was going through a time where I was just spending some extended time with God in a secret place before work. I'd get up a lot earlier than normal musicians do. And, uh, you know, musicians don't know there's two four o'clocks in one day. And um, I would get up and I would just, just stay in the presence of God. I would just get so full. I would just enjoy him so much. I could go to work. I, like, I would go to work and I would just like, oh, I get to do these things. I get to count these things and make stacks of paper. And, and, I was, and it was like it was okay because, I mean, the mundane and the routine is just like anathema to me normally <laughs> but i was so enjoying jesus that really didn't matter and 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 somebody i remember one time uh kind of weirding my supervisor out this lady said to me uh, thank thanks thanks for doing that david i said oh if you had any idea how much i enjoy that <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't even be thanking me because i feel so thanked by god i feel so loved by god you know, you can get to that place where, where you're just so, you're more aware of the presence of God in your life than you are of anything else. And that's a, that's a discipline that can be developed, it be, can be cultivated. And especially in, in places where circumstances are hard. 
also see, you, you remember the story about the tree that was thrown into the bitter waters. I think it was Meribah in the Old Testament. The tree was thrown in and it turned the bitter waters sweet. You are the tree that gets thrown in the bitter waters of your circumstances and your environment, turning the bitter waters sweet. You are the thermostat, not the thermometer. You're not reading the temperature. You're not going around like, oh, man, this is such a terrible place to work. People do nothing but complain. <laughs> you're not the thermostat reading what's going on. You're the thermometer changing atmosphere. And you say, say, well, I've been doing that, but nobody's changing. Well, you are. And the atmosphere you carry is changing. You're like the reverse pig pen from the Peanuts com comic strip, you know. He had that cloud around him. You, you have a cloud around you, but it's a glory cloud. You're drawing a circle, three-foot circle around you. It's a three-foot revival circle. Anybody who comes in this circle is going to get revived. They're going to get whacked. They're going to experience something. I was working at Starbucks, and this gal said, Dave, no, every time I walk by you, I start laughing. What is that? I said, it's the joy of the Lord. I was carrying something, and I was doing it on purpose. You can do that, too. You have the same Holy Spirit. And... Uh, you already know you're not an imposter, so what's your excuse? Let's go. <laughs> Let's get after it. All right. So this changes everything. If I'm, a, I'm doing my work and, as worship and I consider my place in the marketplace minister that, ministry, then I am in the ministry. I'm in the ministry. Not just Randy in the ministry, but you are in the ministry. I got news for you. If you ask Jesus into your heart, you are in the ministry already you are in the ministry because that just means serve right so wherever you're serving you're ministering and when you're ministering that makes you a minister if you walk like a duck talk like a duck <laughs> act like you 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 quack like a duck you are you know so you're a minister and so what if i take the attitude as in in my job i'm pastoring the people that are around me I just consider them my flock. I don't tell them that, but I just consider them my little flock. And I just watch for needs. And I just like pour myself into them. I pray for them. They maybe even don't know it, but I'm just pouring my life out over them. And if they have a felt need that I can meet, then I do that. And, I, and, I, and if I have an opportunity to share Jesus overtly, I do that as well. But I consider this, this my flock. And they're, they're, part, they're part of my responsibility that I've been placed in their lives to serve them with the heart of Jesus. The, the cool thing about the ecclesia is some people might get nervous and think, wow, Jesus said, woo, this new governmental authority has entered the earth called the ecclesia of Jesus that can overcome any demonic force. And you might think, oh, that, we're taking over. We're taking over, man. But, we're, but that's not it. Because it's, the di it's a different spirit than the we're taking over spirit, you know? And some people think if we can only get Christian people elected to this office and that office and this office, everything will be hunky-dory. Probably not. <laughs> but it'll get, we'll get way closer to hunky-dory <laughs> if we realize that our position in the earth as the ecclesia is not to dominate, but to come under and support and to serve, and to love, and to just confound people with our love, and to do it when even we don't get any credit for it, 
and nobody's patting us on the back. We just do it. I'm just releasing heaven. And my, my obsession is to cram as much of heaven into the earth as I possibly can because I think that's what Jesus told us we should be doing. On earth as it is in heaven. Somebody say hallelujah or something like that. Hallelujah. All right. So I want to read just a little bit of an example of this that's right up on the thing from, from the book. Vallejo, California was the first large city in California to declare bankruptcy. And as a result of them declaring bankruptcy, then education suffered, morale suffered, everything suffered because of the financial situation in this, this city. Public services were underfunded and so on and so forth. So at the peak of the crisis, however, marketplace and pulpit ministers, the ecclesia, came together to bring the kingdom of God to the city. So uh, the mayor, Osby Davis, addressed them saying, continue to pray, pray regularly and pray consistently, but most importantly, I ask that you dedicate this city to God. So uh, right then and there, they dedicated the city to God. Uh, Pastor Tony Summers reports the results. From that moment on, hope for transformation was born, and since then we have seen signs all across the city. Then a guy named Michael Brown from Michael's Transportation Services uh, got involved. And um, he said, uh, when he heard El Silvoso speak, he said, uh, he said, everything that I was asking God during, uh, during a fast that he was going through, he answered one after the other. I've been asking God, God, what, what can I do every day as a businessman? Does it really matter? The answers that I had presented from the scriptures answered my questions in conclusive terms. I am a minister of God to be, bring righteousness, peace, and joy to the marketplace. And my company is my ministry. And uh, later on, uh, Adriana Catledge, who was a member of the management team of Mike's Transportation, said when Michael came to us and said something about transformation, that from now on the business belongs to God, we were not really sure what he was talking about. But the more we listened, the more we understood. From that moment on, the corporate lifestyle of the company changed because, as Michael put it, God became chairman of the board. Jesus is my CEO. The Holy Spirit became my legal counsel, and I became a good steward over God's work. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to read just a little bit more because I think it will give you a fuller picture of what happened in Vallejo. These steps of faith became the cradle into which the coalition known as Transformation Vallejo was born. To pastor the hurting city, its marketplace and pulpit ministers charted a course to bring together church, business, government, and education in a thrust centered on prayer evangelism. In a county where African-American males constitute the highest percentage of students who fail to graduate, a program was launched that focused on these young men, not inside a church building, but at People's High School, called the Emerging Gentlemen's Program. Isn't that a cool name? Uh, the Emerging Gentlemen's Program, it nurtured positive character qualities and social skills. Transformation Vallejo also provided resources for the school's basketball teams. With great impact on students, everybody say, yay, basketball. <laughs> we, we be Hoosiers. Great impact on students along the way. Tammy was one of them. Mr. Brown, this guy from Mike's Transportation, Mr. Brown made me an offer that he would employ me if I stayed in school and graduated. She recounted, I did, and I became valedictorian, and that, that gets me. And now I work at Michael's Transportation. 
Scott Nally, a pastor and member of the Transformation Vallejo team, founded Campus Transformation Clubs, which consist of student-led extracurricular activities or gatherings that put deeds to prayers by helping youth at risk with personal and academic issues. The clubs also provide encouragement to other students, and as a result, violence in the schools has come down noticeably. One student put it this way, every time you come to a Campus Transformation Club, it tells you that you are not alone, that you have a family. That feeling has spread all the way to the public school district offices. Superintendent Ramona Bishop described it this way. If one of our schools needs something, we know that Pastor Anthony Summers, Michael's Transportation, and Mr. Brown always respond. And there are other things that I don't even know that happen. There's a true adopt-a-school process where pastors, business communities are saying, we are now responsible for your success. And whatever you need, you call upon us. We'll help you get there. Just a, just a little bit more, and I'll be done. As societal wrongs, and uh, parenthetically, unrighteousness in Vallejo were made right, peace and joy soon followed. Remember how Paul said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? It seems like one of those things is not like the other two. You know, right? Peace and joy is an altered state. <laughs> the righteousness is something else. But as, you, as righteousness comes, I'll just say, as an example, in our marriage, in our early marriage, which was not so fun, <laughs> as righteousness, as right things and, and ha new habits were formed in our relationship, peace and joy followed. That's why Paul said righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it says, uh, but it is uh, the fourth factor that Paul listed with, when describing the kingdom of God that differentiates all this from other social programs, power. Paul said, the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but thank you. Well, more precisely, um, God's power having an impact on those who need it. First, in Michael's Transportation Services headquarters, and later on in an expanding circle, people experienced God's power in the form of miracles. One of the beneficiaries was a troubled young man who was also fighting an incurable disease, making him hopeless and more despondent with every day that passed. He confessed, I had given up on the church, and I did not know at the time that Michael's Transportation was a ministry, a business ministry. As I started to go there, Michael would tell me, look, come over here every day if you need to. Just sit in here, and we're going to pray for you. And that's exactly what they did. The ecclesia at Michael's Transportation prayed, and God healed him. The young man did not find the ecclesia. The ecclesia found him. <laughs> Isn't that great? And I know a lot of you are doing this already, and I applaud your efforts. I'm not talking about this because I don't think you're doing it. But I think that all of us, including myself, could do it more. And some of us could really step into a new dimension in our ministry if we looked at our job as our ministry and if we saw our labor as worship. So the, so the thing would, would, would be twofold. I go to church, and I am church to go. I believe God is saying to us by the Holy Spirit, I would like a church to go to, and I would also like to order a church to go. <laughs> because he didn't say, come ye into all the church. He said, go ye into all the world, right? The marketplace was redeemed by the power of Jesus. And we see a man who reached a million people, he and his fellow workers, a million people, that's Paul the Apostle, he reached a million people in Asia Minor in a space of two years without government support, 
without any institution supporting, without Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, any of that stuff. A million people were reached with the gospel. And he was making tents part-time. So I think that there is something through this ecclesia that is so far-reaching that we see it touching everybody and everything. And isn't this what Jesus talked about? The, it's the leaven that goes into this big lump. And the leaven doesn't get eaten up. And the leaven doesn't go into the lump and go, Oh, protect me, protect me, protect me from the evil dough. <laughs> I hope the dough doesn't eat me because it's so big and it's dark in here. <laughs> no, the leaven's going, I'm here to change you. I'm here to influence you. I'm here to make you expand and to be the fullness of what God called you to be in the first place. Oh, I love it. Was it uh, one of our favorite restaurants here last Sunday? And there's a guy that serves us. And uh, I've, he's waited on us many times. And I, God gave me a word for him. I finally was able to give it to him last Sunday. And I said, hey, man, can I share something with you? He goes, sure. He, I said, um, sometimes God gives me a, a, a glimpse of, of something that he really loves about a person's heart. And I feel like I got something like that for you. Is it okay if I share it? He said, yeah. And I told him, I said, you know, I feel like God has given you a gift to uh, protect young women. It's like you have this fierce courage and of, uh, to be a defender of young women that are in your life and that they know that they're safe when they're around you because you, you know, went on with that in that vein. And he goes, well, thank you. He said, that is, that is one of my talents. <laughs> I said, awesome. You see, when we go into the, into the marketplace, we're just finding ways to release the goodness of God however we can and let the kingdom flow, let the kingdom infusion that's coming to the ecclesia flow out through us into the world around us. And you see, what happens is that people can, become, can come under the influence of the kingdom of God before they surrender their lives to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Many times that's the, way it, that's the way it happens. And it's the way it happened for all the people that Jesus touched in his ministry, right? None of them were Christians when he touched them. But they were touched by the king. Yeah. Man, I'm so excited. Okay. How many of you were encouraged by this at all? Yeah, okay. Good. Good. But even you hadn't clapped, I'm not an imposter, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticize myself. All right, would you stand, please? Thank you, Father. Um, speaking of the kingdom, the kingdom of God flows big time in this place. As we minister to one another, we want to ask the uh, um, ministry team to come forward. And uh, I don't know if Lynn's here. I think she is. Maybe Nancy is doing it. All right, awesome. The awesome Nancy, everybody. Let's give her a big hand. Let me can. If you didn't do it, Jacqueline, I was going to do it because I, I really appreciate that. So go ahead, uh, Minister Jean, come up and uh, um, make yourself available. If you need prayer for anything, uh, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. God can do more in his presence in five seconds than you can do sometimes in 20 years in a counselor's office, right? It's just who, it's who God is. He can, he can transform you in a moment. So right now, let me just pray for us as the ecclesia.
Wow. You should not even be able to spell ecclesia, and now I are one. Yeah. So, well, Father, I just want to pray. Thank you for the people gathered here. I thank you for the world changers in this room. We are here to change the world around us, not to survive the world. Somebody say amen. That was a good word right there. We're, we're here to change the world, not to survive it. Come on. And the church is not a holding station for until Jesus comes. But it's a, it's a transformation station. Yeah. So, Father, I thank you for the, your, your people here gathered. And I just pray your blessing and pray that, that the revelation of the ecclesia and the majesty and the magnitude of this word you spoke over us 2,000 years ago will just keep exploding inside of our hearts and opening up new possibilities in the marketplace so that both from the pulpit standpoint and the marketplace standpoint, we have a unified front of the ecclesia on the march, changing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to simultaneously dismiss you uh, and also invite you to come forward for prayer if you'd like it. God bless you guys. See you next time.